0: the gist. Innovate, scale, succeed. Hi Bee. Hi Tatenda, how are you?
1: (laughs) Good thanks, how are you?
0: I'm good, I'm good. Um, Feeling a little bit like we've been on this journey for a little bit now, yeah, can you, but can you believe we got here? I mean,
1: last year we were talking about this podcast and now, now we're here. We're a couple of episodes in and, you know, we're doing it.
0: We're doing it. We've met so many interesting people. We've had such great conversations. I've laughed so much <laughs> till my belly hurt. Um, but also I've learned a lot, to be honest. I think even if... You know, I I consider myself a generalist in general, mm-hmm. um, and so I think I, I like knowing a little bit about everything. But I think even on this podcast and on this journey, I've definitely learned a lot more from our guests. I've, I have there's quite a few things that I hadn't really thought about that I'm like I'm constantly like, oh okay, mm-hmm. all right, good to know. Maybe I should do more research on that. You know.
1: <laughs> I agree with you, and also just some of the things that you think are so difficult. And yet, um, I don't know, I think each of the people we spoke to are so inspiring um, and just just, just got going, just got started. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I found that incredibly inspiring that sometimes I think we, we, we put this big mountain and yet it doesn't have
0: to be. Exactly. Exactly. I think uh, being where we are on the journey, I think we both thought it would be a good idea to sort of just sit down, reflect on some of the episodes um, pull out some key lessons we've learned. Um, personally, maybe you guys took away some different things from it, but personally, I think there's quite a lot of things I've taken away from each and every ep- single episode. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd just be good to sort of sit and reflect on a few of those things. Definitely.
1: And I mean, I guess for all of you guys listening, you know, as you have listened um, to each of the episodes, as, as you've reflected, or, we'd love to hear from you. You know, what what stood out to you? What did you learn? I mean, I think we can... I think your feedback and input is so valuable for yourselves, but then also for this broader community. So please do share and
0: comment. Um, Yeah, we definitely want to hear from you guys. Yeah. So be it Instagram, be it on Spotify, be it on Apple, be it on Iona, drop us a comment, leave us a review. What do you think we could have done better? What did you learn? What would you like to learn? What are some of the guests you think would be amazing to be on the show because you think actually, you know, you'd love to know how they got on this journey or how they're faring on this journey. Um, I think we really are concerned about, obviously, it's our first season. We want to learn as much as possible from what people like, but also we want to sort of carry on this conversation and ensure that the conversation is going um, is going um, as, as, as far as possible and sort of pushing our own learning uh, and your learning as well. Definitely be. I love it. Amazing. So, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Insert really dramatic music here. And think we should probably. <laughs> hey, you don't like, you don't like my theater tricks? Like, I'm, I'm pretty into them. They are pretty, pretty into them. So, yeah. Episode one, Jahil. Episode one. Wow. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think with this, obviously, um, Jahil's is obviously the, the CEO, CEO of Hello Tractor. Um, he's done some amazing things in his, in his career, um, but also Hello Tractor is actually doing so many great things across the continent and there's quite a few things I think we all learned from, um, the podcast with Hill. So maybe I'll start off with one of the things that I thought was, was really interesting was really the idea that sometimes a challenging environment is actually a blessing in a way or it's a positive because it creates barriers to entries mm-hmm. and whereas if you, if you do business anywhere in Across the continent, what you really know is that one of the things when you put together a business plan and you go out to investors, going, hey, high barriers to entry for other people, <laughs> everyone loves that, right? But you don't really think about a problematic market that way unless you are an entrepreneur. You go, actually, we've gotten in, it's difficult, we're finding it difficult. But because we're finding it difficult, we know that no one else actually is going to be willing to sort of step in and try this because they know how difficult it will be. So, what might come across as a really challenging market is actually sometimes a blessing in disguise because it really does deter other um, possible competitors in sort of entering. And that also gives you an opportunity to sort of maybe plan a bit better as a company, uh, increasing market share when there's no one there, et cetera.
1: Mm. I think that's such a great point. And I think, I mean, the other, the, the other, the other thing is that you know markets that have challenges present so many opportunities um, you know if you're thinking about going on the entrepreneurial journey or finding people to partner with which I think is is what you know Jahil's story reflects is that there's opportunities that can be found. In markets that people can sometimes think are difficult and challenging and will run away from um, and so you know don't ignore those kind of those are the spaces and the
0: places to be looking into yeah definitely and I think sort of perhaps the second point that sort of goes with this especially a market especially in markets such as that might be a bit more difficult and specifically for Jahil and his journey in Nigeria was that you really sometimes can't create from a distance mm. you sort of have to be on the ground to fully understand the local issues Absolutely. Um, which really does speak to perhaps some of his journey in the sense that he got to Lagos. They, kept, they had an original idea. Um, it didn't quite work the way they thought it would work because mm-hmm. really what you sort of sit and, and sort of research on your desktop research is sometimes chalk and cheese from what's actually happening on the ground. Mm. So really applying your business plan really has to do is really helped by the fact that you actually are on the ground, you really are speaking to customers, you sort of are getting more and more attuned to the local environment, Mm -hmm. be it regulations, be it actually just the customer need, but be it just the local market going, actually, you know, this is the tractor we're thinking about. It actually does not work (laughs) in this environment in any way, shape, or form. Maybe it worked, theoretically worked in the middle belt of the U.S., but it does not work in Lagos because A, B, and C, some of the constraints the local market has. And so, yeah, I guess... Rule number two from him, or really lesson number two we sort of got from him was really that you sometimes you really can't create from a distance. Being on the ground is one of the most important things in sort of some of these businesses. Mm.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think the other thing just kind of linked to that is this, you know, the idea that I think if you are developing a service or a product or something you're trying to scale across the continent, you know, oftentimes people talk about the country of Africa. Africa is not a country. Um, you know, even within countries, different regions are so different. And so I think Jaheel spoke about this, that, um, you know, you, you design your product in a way that your end users can tailor um, to their unique context in, a, in their region. You know, so you, you create kind of the sandbox. Your product is a sandbox that people can then um use it but then tailor for their needs, which is so important. And I think oftentimes people don't think about that at the beginning. You kind of come across it down the road. But if you're not there, if you're not on the ground, you can't even be thinking about those things. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the other thing um just about your heels journey was, you know, how important it is to listen to your customers. Um, you know I think he said don't be product obsessed. You have to be customer centric, customer focused because you know they I think he said they came in wanting to be kind of they designed this high tech solution and the guys like yeah, yeah 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 we don't need your tractor. We have a tractor. What we actually need is that software thing that you're doing on the side. Um which is interesting, right? So you could have gone down a journey and you're like, you have to make this perfect low-cost tractor. Um, and I guess it comes together with if you're sitting far away and you're not on the ground, you don't know actually, they do have tractors. That's not what they need. What they actually need is how do we optimize the utilization of our assets.
0: Yeah. Be solution-driven at any at any and every point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, Tarsina, you said it best, to be honest. At the end of the day, just be careful and just be very Be very sure of what you're solving for Mm -hmm. more than anything else. There's no point of having a product that no one's going to use, but the, the journey in which this, he sort of found himself on is that actually what they started off doing was vastly different for what the business is now because they listened to their customers. They went, actually, you know, this is not working. This is working. Um, they're very, very solution driven, which is why they've been able to sort of scale, um, across the continent. No, definitely.
1: It's a wonderful success story and like I'm excited to keep watching their journey onwards.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I mean this is what we got from it. I think obviously everyone can sort of take quite a few different things away from um Jihil's story and Hill Tractor story. So we'd also love to hear what you guys sort of thought about it. Um okay, so then I guess next
1: episode two we chatted to Josh. Uh, so Josh was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Tinder hates my, hates my transition music. <laughs> uh,
1: so Josh, Josh, as you guys remember, was the, uh, co-founder, um, and former CEO of Lori. Um, he's transitioned out, um, and so now we'll be sitting on the board and has handed over leadership. Um, I mean, I think his story was quite interesting. There were a couple of things that were interesting in terms of his journey. Um I think one of the things that really stuck out to me was, you know, like you read on the, um, you know, you, you read about this technology enabling logistics, their logistics services business. But the point around in order to get started, your technology doesn't have to be the fanciest. So I think we've all seen the ads for full stack developers and not shaming any full stack developers. It's a great job. <laughs> are you sure you're, you're not <laughs> shaming them? Are you sure? You are important. But I think for entrepreneurs, you don't have to have a full tech team in order to get started. I think, you know, Josh shared that they started with Excel, you know, and just using simple systems, technology, in a, like enabling technology on the continent, opportunities to innovate doesn't necessarily need to look like what it looks like in Silicon Valley to get started. And so don't let that be um, a barrier to you getting going. I, I thought that was incredibly powerful and such an interesting insight.
0: Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Um, I think what I, one of the most important things I took away from Josh's story, to be honest, was really around, uh, HR, as boring as it is, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I've kind of heard, I've heard this human from... Human capital. <laughs> who would have thanked it? Who would have thanked it? But, you you know, it's it's actually, it's strange because you don't think about it until you're sort of in the ecosystem. But human capital plays such an important role mm-hmm. um, in sort of like the startup journey. And so very often, like you know, whenever I speak to other friends who are founders, one of the biggest thing that they spend a lot of their time doing is really... Um, is really around a recruiting but also really thinking about the people that are in certain positions and I think Josh was very um very specific and very and really highlighted the, the importance of finding the right people and I think also the fact that he really emphasized the importance of transitioning mm. and so because you had the initial really great idea and you are the founder it doesn't really mean that you're the right person to take um A particular idea or a particular um company to the next level to be honest Mm. um not every great creator is a manager and i think even with, yeah right even from a corporate perspective like think (laughs) about it like i think about some of my the jobs i've had some of my favorite people to work with the most senior have been the most creative and like Mm. really good at their jobs and you're like but this person's a crap manager (laughs) this person's a terrible manager in that, in that regard, I think, Josh, the conversation was really good in the sense that like, I think it really did emphasize that you need to find the right people to fill um, the right roles within the company, one, but also for a company to really grow. Um, you also need to know that as a founder, you, can't, you aren't necessarily the right person sometimes to take it to that next stage. And it's important to sort of identify the right people to sort of help you get there. Mm. Um, and I think you can sort of take that lesson out of just startups as well again, from our own experience, corporate, et cetera, very, very important. Find the right people to sort of fill the right jobs, but also within this this context, um, a founder is not necessarily the person who's going to take this particular company to uh, year five, year 10, year 20.
1: No, I think that's a really great point. And, and you're right. I think We've seen it. <laughs>
0: <In> <laughs> we've all seen all, it.
1: In all the companies we've worked and we've seen it where, you know, oftentimes people get promoted based on tenure alone, particularly, I think, in the startup space. And so you'll find a manager is the guy who's been there for two years. Maybe you're not the best place to be the manager. So um, I, I think you're absolutely right.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, you know, like how important, like, talent management is. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, as just thinking about – young people and if you're thinking about jobs and opportunities is like get those jobs in you know I think Josh said this he's like if you want to get some great experience join a startup join an early stage business because you'll get to see a lot and learn a lot and be exposed to a lot yes it's you know I think maybe maybe I don't know. Five, ten years ago, it was like I have to have this blue chip company on my CV, and that will be the marker for. But the world we're living in has changed, and I think people are innovating and creating in different spaces. And like the best ground to learn from is um, is you know joining the journey of of some early stage businesses. Um, I thought that was a really good point, and I think yeah, uh, yeah, just not the way a lot of people think about it. But there's a lot of opportunity um in in joining the journey you don't have to be the entrepreneur but you can be the team um that's behind it you don't have to be the person who came up with the idea but there's power in that
0: no definitely um I yeah I can't emphasize that enough as well um another interesting concept slash rule not sure if it's really a rule but it really (laughs) is a concept right and as someone who spends a lot of time thinking about sort of um the growth of businesses and the growth of economies. I think something that Josh pointed out was really um, interesting in the sense that I think he was like economies, you know, are not cycle driven. are very are very much um, cycle driven. So sometimes there's ups and sometimes there's downs. Um, and <laughs> one of the most interesting such funniest things um, that you sort of go go through when sometimes you're building a business plan is you see this like consistent growth that people you put a business plan you're like this company is going four percent five percent year on year and you're like I mean I don't know if that's possible because you know like economies are cyclical and it's so important to sort of future-proof your business plan and and your and your business in the sense that you have to you have to plan for Perhaps there not being any growth in the business, mm. there be no, no growth in the economy, and then ensuring that your business plan at least um, take that into account. So you can't have seven years, of, like three, four years of growth, and then and then you don't think that like year four, or five might not actually not might not be great because chances are in most economies you probably have three years of growth, a bit of a slump. Three years of growth, a bit of a slump, two years of growth, a bit of a slump. And if you have business plans that are consistently just overshooting growth, you'll find yourself in trouble. Mm. So I think that was a really important thing because, you know, sometimes I really do see business plans like when people are like, oh, investing in my company. And you're like, oh, you just are growing <laughs> at 7% every year you're in here for 10 years. Do you, like, do you not think there's other factors that you should consider here? <laughs> so when building a business plan, it's really important to sort of be very practical about how the economy will perform because that will affect you and your business.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the other thing that, I mean, and I think this, this is a theme that probably applies across all of the entrepreneurs we spoke to, but this idea that like, I think opportunities can come up from the most unlikely places, you know, like I think whether it's Chihil, whether it's Josh, um, whether it's Nelly or whether it's Chinellu, You know, but particularly, I mean, in Josh's case, you know, logistics is not the sexiest industry. Um, It's not the, you know, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. And yet, I think he used the analogy of the piping of your toilet system, that without proper piping, like it's a big, if that thing is not right, it's a big problem. You don't think about it when it's working, but when it goes wrong, I mean, we're smelling the (laughs) 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 poor piping. Um, It's a big problem. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think there particularly if we think about like doing business in Africa and where the opportunities are, I think people should be what we've seen, and I think what what's been reflected in the conversation we're having is being open to look for opportunities in places that are not the sexiest and you know mm-hmm. where I don't have the brightest lights immediately, but there is opportunity
0: no definitely, perhaps the last point from Josh, and I think it's really important because I think it's sort of came across all of our guests was really the idea around tailor, tailoring your story to different markets and different investors. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's helped a lot of people fundraise across the continent, you know, nothing's as important as sort of one, understanding your your investors' context, mm-hmm. um, obviously knowing your own uh, operating environment and being able to sort of tell your story in such a way that contextually people get it. You know, if... If I'm telling you that A&B doesn't work in Nigeria and you don't really understand the operating environment of Nigeria because you're an investor based in Japan, I'm not going to give you like, mm. the chances are the investor is not going to give you money. So over and above what you're doing, really understanding the context of your um, your investor pool, um, be it American, be it the US, be it South African, be it Kenyan, really understanding their operating environment and then being able to sort of draw a story in such a way that they sort of get it mm. um, within their own context nothing's more important because that's how people give you money. People don't give you money for a really great idea that they can't sort of localize to themselves. Yeah. Um, so really, really important because I think this came, kind of came across with do as well a little bit and Jahil. Ooh. Nothing is more important than being able to tell your story in such a way that the people you're pitching to get it.
1: Definitely. And I also think oftentimes I think you, you, assume, you, you, you actually just can't assume that the audience, the investor audience, um, really understands your market context. I mean, I remember during business school, I think there was a, a, I mean, there were lots of businesses, African (laughs) businesses uh, that were showcased, but I remember there was like an education startup um, and they were using, I think um, they're using like like WhatsApp or like USSD USSD codes um, for for like, for education and training. Mm. And people didn't didn't understand and they're like, but can you teach people this way? And we're like, well, most people don't have a smartphone. Yeah. Most people have a feature phone. So if we're trying to get breadth of access, this is the best way to do it. Don't discount the idea because it's not an app. It's okay. um, so so understand the market, understand the context. There was, I mean, there was the other business which was like um, you know, lay and people are like, what's a lay buy? Like, oh, <laughs> what's the concept of a lay buy?
0: So it's like, welcome to Africa, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Africa.
1: I think we had to reframe it to like save to buy, to try and explain what is a lay But if you ask the average African, they're like, yeah, absolutely. I get what that is. But so don't assume that your innovation is understood by your investor. You have to simplify and tailor the messaging in order to understand, explain the opportunity.
0: Okay, so I guess then we'll transition to Nellie. Love it. Good old Nellie, um, our first female guest. First, but not the last. Definitely not the last. Thank you, Nellie. We love you. <laughs> um, so ne- so Nellie Swahe, um, obviously she's currently the chief chemist at Deloitte UK, uh, but she's actually the co-founder of Springage, um, which is a company uh, really centered around the youth, which she managed to actually sell to Deloitte. I think we spoke about a lot of really interesting things with with Nelly. Um, Some of my, I guess my favorite, which I could really speak to, or I really could sort of um, identify with, to be honest, is really the female angle Mm -hmm. um, more than anything else. And I think as a female leader, some of the things that I sort of got from Nelly really was the context of balance, you know, and I think, again it was one of the first few it was actually the only episode where we were like oh, so how do you do it because you know we're, we're trying to do this as well and we're just like there's not enough time in the day there's not enough time there's not enough time in the day there's so many pressures so much is expected of you and I think the one thing she really said was more than anything else the importance of partnership mm. um so obviously I think first of all for me um partnership outside of just working, Um, having a partner that understands your schedule, having a partner that understands what the vision is, Mm. um, and really perhaps also assuming non-traditional roles in your relationship um, in that, you know, maybe you aren't expected to like rush home to cook because you really have a ton of things to get through Mm. um, and your partner understands that. Um, But then I guess on a a second level, um, really still speaking to the importance of partnership, I think, as female leaders, it's also a little diff- a bit more difficult. So really having a partner that really she got on with really well mm. um, and they both had, I guess, very very similar goals in sort of achieving this. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Raylene as well yeah, uh, for being yes. another chemo- female co-founder. I think that partnership worked really well for the two of them because yeah. they were friends first, but also they had such a common vision of what they wanted to achieve. Mm. So I think that was, for me, such an important lesson um, as a female leader in the sense that you know why you don't have to do you don't have to be a hundred percent you all the time you just have to find people that like have similar vision to mm-hmm. you definitely
1: and i i really loved i think i think the, the word she used was team you know and like <laughs> i think even in talking about her children and, and it was like as a family we are a team and so everybody has their weight to pull but like we have this shared vision it's so rare to find a partner who thinks like that who you know like and I think that's so important because you don't think about it until you're down the road and then you're like actually this is important Mm -hmm. uh less important than like what you look like <laughs> <laughs> um, you know will you will you be on my team um, and can we build towards a shared vision so yeah i love it i think that's right i, th- I really yeah i think that resonates
0: definitely and i think another really important um, I'm just being selfish. Like, it's really important to be in this, this particular podcast. Um, was really the balance between that, the fact that you can have an impact and make money. Mm. And I think Nelly was laughing about it. She was like, Oh, I was just so shocked that you could do both. And I think for me, at least, mm. um, as someone who loves money, <laughs> but also likes the idea that I'm giving back to the community and, you know, I'm having a positive, at the end of the day, there is a positive mm. outcome. It's good to see that, you know, maybe, maybe corporate hasn't really transitioned to be at this particular uh, point, but there definitely are spaces and gaps in the market to be able to make a positive impact and mm-hmm. um, still make money. Because guys, like we're not like first generational billionaires. So, like there's still like a lot of emphasis on the fact that like we are all trying to build generational wealth, but you can still build generational wealth. But whilst doing things that you really enjoy doing, definitely. Um, and I think that was a really important um, that was a really important message that came across in, in Nelly's interview. Mm-hmm.
1: What I really liked about um, when she was talking about that 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 first job was that I think she was saying, you know, it was an employer where they took her along to meetings. And I think you if you are not, you know, if you think about yourself and you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't think I'm the kind of personality or person who can join a startup, but you are in a business on the continent. You can still play a role in, you know, Bringing people along. I think she was saying, you know, they took her to meetings, they exposed her, they gave her access, and she was like, oh, actually, there is a way to do business and make money, have an impact, make money, but but that early exposure was a catalyst for her, Mm -hmm. and so I think, I don't know, the the other reflection is, is like, if you are sitting in a corporate, you still have a role to play, but particularly for young people, and that you can... Take them to the meetings with you. Ask what they think. Like, engage them. I think that's a that's a practical thing that everybody can do. Exactly. Um, you know. You
0: no, know. definitely. Um, and then, I guess, one of my favorite uh, when valuing your business, uh, always... <laughs> don't laugh at me because I love valuations. Lots of people love valuations. Look at the nerd in me peeking. hey? Um, <laughs> I love a good valuation. No, but it's really important, right? Because, I guess... Nelly was one of the few people we had on that actually sold their businesses off to Mm. another entity, right? And I think um, what she said was, you know, um, when you value a business, it's really important to sort of also value the intangibles. Definitely. Um, Because at the end of the day, right, I mean, if you speak to anyone within a space where you're expected to value a company, what people really look at is how much revenue you're making, what is your bottom line, what is your EBITDA, what are comparables in the market. Mm. And, you know, for a business like maybe like Nelly's, perhaps the EBITDA multiple might not have been the best, but there's a lot of things that you just can't replicate. And those are the things that a lot of people who try to acquire you are looking for because they can't replicate that within a corporate environment. Deloitte doesn't have like this, this I don't know if Deloitte has this or doesn't <laughs> have it, but... I would assume for Deloitte, one of the reasons they would acquire something like Rage was really the fact that there's just a lot of intangibles that you can't replicate Mm -hmm. uh, or duplicate within a corporate environment that's been set up for a lot of years. So things like that, even though you can't put a dollar sign on it, are things you really should think about when when you're selling your business. You go, hey, actually, I know you as a business can't replicate this. We have this. Like, how do I then put a number to it? Because it's actually important because that's, that, those are one of the reasons they're buying it. They might not, they might not say it to you, but like, that is literally one of the reasons they're buying it is that, that energy that, like, those people who are doing those, like, who are just sort of operating within the lines that, where you can't quite quantify it. Quite important to just think about that and really ensure that if you're being sold or you're, you're being acquired or you're thinking about selling, Ensure that that's the thing that people are thinking about when they remunerate you for your business. Mm.
1: And I guess I think the last thing just about the interview with Nelly, which I guess is overarching, just about how important the youth are. And I mean, just thinking about the opportunity of saying young people need to be at the table. You know, I think she's talked about um, wait your turn Um, and we have so many young people and um, I think the other day I saw a, a young guy who created an app um to like alert people around like municipal potholes not being fixed or whatever. And he was like, people must learn to code. Young guy, like I think he's 18 and he's like, guys, let's 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 leverage technology, let's learn about this, let's try and build solutions for our own context. And I was like, this is amazing. Like this guy's like, can't wait for other people to come and solve for this. And so mm-hmm. I think just you know her and Raylene's inspiration was around how important the youth are um and how do we find opportunities to engage them and bring them to the table.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's good.
0: All right. Are we are we off to our our latest podcast? <laughs> our latest podcast. Our latest podcast. Uh to know, our six, six Nigerian oga <laughs> I don't know if he's actually six six guys. I mean but I'm yeah I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, we're not going on any due diligence exercises anytime soon. But not
1: anytime soon. <laughs> but if we do get to Nigeria, we will verify.
0: We will <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely verify for you.
1: Uh, um, yeah. I mean, I guess I mean that was our like most recent conversation. I think. I mean, I think Max is such an interesting business, um, and I think similar to Jaheel. Um, and probably, I mean, and I guess even actually all, all, you know, Nelly, uh, Josh, but the importance, you know, reaffirming just how important, um, it is to make sure you're, 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 you are customer centric, you know, like, and, and how customer centricity will drive your innovation. Cause I think when they, when they were sitting at MIT, they're like, okay, look, the issue is, delivery right and it started as a class project and i mean we 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 had class projects Um, it started as a class project but then i guess on the ground and then realizing but actually what actually is the need how do we expand this and now they've got this amazing platform um that's not just doing, you know, ride hailing or you know e-commerce delivery, but now, you know, looking at a really integrated offering and thinking about the, you know, what does what does our customer need? You know, not just financing or insurance, but they also need a whole bunch of other services that people don't think about. But you're thinking about your client holistically, mm-hmm. um, and how that created an opportunity for them to innovate, which is, you know, what landed with the product they have now.
0: No, definitely, definitely. Um, I think, you know, I, I I really enjoyed this this podcast. I think um there's so many gems in our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um and I think one of the ones that obviously resonated with me, to be honest, was really the idea that coming back home and really building. And I think mm-hmm. you know, as an African, as a South African specifically, you sometimes look around and you're like, so much, so much is going wrong, so much is not so much is not right that it would be so easy to sort of immigrate and sort of do something different but even if you if you're trying to be an entrepreneur to be honest the best ideas come from the problems that you understand the most mm-hmm. and I think Chinaji was very specific about the idea of coming back home and building yeah. um, but also the context that you're in the context that like things that bother you are probably the places where you'll make the most difference because you you get it. Yeah. It's not a problem. You're not trying to problem solve for someone else or someone else's different context. You're problem solving for an issue you particularly have. Yeah. It's your home environment. You understand the market. Um, it just makes the most sense. Um, so I think that really resonated with me because if, if we don't come home, come home and build who will, right? Um, who will. Yeah i mean that's that's there's so much opportunity
1: there's so much opportunity um yeah we just we just don't you yeah, know we just don't think about it that way we um yeah we absolutely right yeah i you right
0: um i think also and then another conversation um another rule at least that sort of is very similar to a lot of the things that we sort of we spoke about previously with jahil with with josh as well it was really an really around pivoting to match your market Mm -hmm. so again customer centricity but really going this is the idea we had Mm. six seven years later this is not the idea or this is not the business plan we're actually executing on because you know we came up with an idea we tested it in the market Mm. it didn't particularly work people didn't really want this people didn't want this this wasn't the problem, yeah um so you constantly are pivoting or you're constantly tweaking your business to ensure that it remains relevant um and you really are solving mm. for what people um are struggling with yeah. um so really you're not product obsessed yeah. essentially again, emphasize that over and over again, because I think that's been one of the consistent things that have been said by all of the founders mm-hmm. that they've had to really pivot all of them yeah. um to get to where they are,
1: yeah. And I think that's such a really good point because I think oftentimes people think, what will the investors say? Like if we're chopping and changing, does that mean um, they won't invest in us? Absolutely the opposite because particularly like earlier stage businesses, um, whether you are pre-seed, seed, series A, series B, the investors are backing the entrepreneurs and less of the idea, right? Yeah. Because you, what is the ability – like can we back this team – to be able to pivot if they hit a wall, not, shucks, we were married to this particular product or idea, and now we don't know what to do. Um, So, you know, it's important to be able to be flexible enough to adapt um, as you realize that actually what we thought was the problem or what was needed is actually not uh, what was needed, and so your ability to then to then pivot around that. So I think that's that's so, so critical. It's a really good point. Um, I think the other thing I, I really thought was interesting was, you know, like the discussion we had around electronic motorbikes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, particularly at the moment, you know, e- like electronic vehicles, electronic motorbikes are super, super, super topical. Um, and they've been on a journey. And so I think people looking at Max today are like, oh, it's super easy. They've got this. Yeah. And I think, oftentimes people not in the business only look at the end result and you don't appreciate the long journey that's gone into um, getting to that place I think uh, I'm gonna misquote this now I can't remember what you saying bold I think how many how many gold medals has you won
0: uh, a ton of a time t- t-
1: <laughs> Um, I mean, but I, I guess, I mean, what is it? Like, maybe over 10 years, he's won eight gold medals. Let me just check these stats. He's, he's
0: run less than five <laughs> minutes, actually.
1: Less than five minutes because he was he running crazy, crazy speeds. But it took him 20 years to build this, right? And so you we, we don't appreciate that when you're seeing him run over the fish, finish line so quickly. And um, and similarly, yeah, you know, they... Um, had lots of iterations for the EVs it wasn't the first model that was the right model and yet um, yeah just that lesson that you know don't look at other businesses and other entrepreneurs on the continent and then see like oh it's so easy there's a lot of hard
0: work in the background and so just
1: being able to appreciate
0: that yeah I think it's similar to a meme that was making the rounds on Instagram I think at some point around the fact that just because it takes me, I guess, two hours to to do the job, you're not paying me for the two hours to do the job. You're paying me for the fifteen twenty years that it took me to actually become the best at doing this, which is the truth, right? Which is the truth, which is the, the the exact truth. The doctor might might charge you an exorbitant amount for like thirty minutes of seeing you. You're not paying 30 for thirty minutes,
1: minutes not ten minutes, ten minutes, probably
0: like five minutes. Sorry to all the doctors <laughs> are listening, but you're not paying for those fi- like fifteen minutes. You're paying for the months the ton ton of work and that yeah, like the years really of education true. they went through and them actually you know um sort of honing their craft mm-hmm. um that's what you're sort of paying for at the end That's definitely what
1: you're paying for yeah it's mm-hmm. true
0: yeah. yeah and i think okay maybe my last thing on this um on chino do and i think was which was something i i very much hold close to my heart was really um around the willingness to do the hard work mm-hmm. um Across the board, even if you aren't an entrepreneur, I think this is a lesson we can all sort of, in our careers, we can sort of all sort of speak to or we can all go actually it makes complete sense um, in the sense that, again, very similar to people always see the end where you're successful and you're doing really well people don't see people don't see like the times you're struggling the times where you really are trying to get your head around a particular problem or an issue etc and we laugh about it all the time but like I think it was an ongoing joke with a bunch of my friends when we were a bit younger right that no one will ever post sitting in the office at 4M (laughs) like as an investment banker no one will be like oh yeah I, I, pull, I pull, actually, you know what, these young kids, he says, I pull four straight all nighters. Please don't do that. Just don't do that. But people will always post being on that business class flight, right? Because no one wants to go, actually, I work so hard. Yeah. The, the hard work is what you don't see, but the success is what you do see. So it's so important to sort of just really put in the work, mm-hmm. um, put in those hours. Um, and you know that... Those are sort of the building blocks to future successes. Yeah. Be it business, be it corporate, be it wherever you are, it's so important to put in that work. Yeah,
1: no, that's so so so. That's such a really good point. Um, yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think my my last point from Chinedu was just how important networks are. Mm. Um, and and I think whether it's your local like incubation center or it's finding un- other entrepreneurs. Um, networks are so, so, so important um, because, you know, I mean, in their journey, that made a huge difference in their fundraising journey. Yeah. Um, but I think the one point he made when he was talking about investors, uh, particularly was he was saying the best investors are the ones who go forward and tell your story. Yeah. Um, they become your champions and your advocates. But I think I think, you know, finding good networks, other people that you can bounce off, but that will then... In rooms that you are not in will tell your story. Um, yeah. And that's that's so important and, and so critical. But like, you're not, you don't have to do this alone. And so, draw in, plug in, contribute to networks. It's incredibly important.
0: Super important. Um, yeah, I think that's actually really important. I think even as outside of entrepreneurship, right, we might call it different things. You might call it, obviously, it's a network, be it, st- your champion be it sponsorships. it's so important to sort of make those mm. links um, because very often actually, you know people work hard and people are very smart, but very often how you get to where you are is by other people championing you mm. um it's by other people sort of really telling your story yeah. even if you aren't an inter- entrepreneur, really some of the ways all of us have really gone forward in our careers is because someone else thought you were pretty good and they mentioned you to someone else and it's sort of that environment and that network that you really need to build be it as an individual as a company as an entrepreneur you can't work in a silo it's really important to sort of make those networks 100 percent Thousand percent. <laughs> that, you know, to be honest, we both we both know math really well. We both understand the concept of hundred percent. I think we're just very excited about it. Two hundred percent and a hundred and thousand percent are like a
1: on list Thousand
0: percent. <laughs> uh, it is. No, no, we completely agree. Okay. I think those are some really, really great lessons that I think we've really ourselves we've sort of um pulled from our um, podcast so far. Um I think Obviously there's definitely way more things we could have pulled from this. I think these are what sort of, these are the things that spoke to us and these are the things that we thought were really important to sort of just highlight today. Um, And I think going forward, we're really excited for the rest of the season. We have some really interesting guests. Definitely. And we have, um, and we're so excited about some of the, the, the conversations and the key learnings that everyone can sort of glean from the guests that are coming up in the next few weeks
1: yeah so please keep listening keep sharing keep liking tell your friends and um, yeah just keep joining us on this conversation we really really um appreciate you guys yeah being on this journey with us Yay. The gist is creating new African narratives through disseminating key lessons and best practices from some of the continent's leading entrepreneurs and businesses.